Yes, sir. Welcome back to another episode of Trapper Dive Podcast provided to you by 214 Media and SB Nation's Hogs Haven. I got AJ and Dre in here with me. Fellas, good morning, man. Welcome to the weekend. How y'all, how y'all feeling, bro? Y'all all right? I'm not much of a morning person, Jamal. I don't know if you know that yet. <laughs> hey, look, I wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning so. every day. So I, I think about that. I've been up for five hours. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I get your text. But I'll be like, dang, Jamal wakes up early. Yeah, bro, I'll be up, man. I'll be up. AJ, what's going on with you, player? Hey, nothing much, man. Just trying to stay away from this uh, bad air quality that we have. So about that right quick before we introduce our guests um how bad is it because like for me I, as y'all know i'm i'm in a boot i ain't really doing much walking outside but is it like noticeably bad or is it just you just trying to stay away from it i mean you oh, can man. see you can see oh, it in the air but yeah i'm that. not i'm not even trying to uh be a, a test dummy for it so <laughs> i've kind of just been staying staying low seen fools playing sports outside yesterday yeah god bless <laughs> I, I I was driving around running some errands and I'm seeing people smoking cigarettes outside, people at restaurants, dining outdoors. I'm like, man, I don't know something. These people must not watch the news, have cell phones or something. Or oh, just don't care, bro. Like that actually makes me think about my flag game on Sunday. Well, I'm not playing, but I'm, I'm going to pull up. But it makes me think like, are we really going to play? Um, Not I think about it, but. You know, sometimes they they janky, so they don't really <laughs> they don't care what the weather looking like. Um, but speaking of uh, weather conditions, somebody who was actually out there a couple of days ago in this type of uh, excuse me, a couple of days ago in Ashburn in these uh, conditions before they moved it inside on uh, Thursday uh, is ESPN's John Kime. Uh, John Kime is joining us. Uh, he is the host as well of the John Kime podcast. Uh, John, man, I appreciate you joining us this morning. How you feeling? Of course, man. I'm doing all right. And by the way, I get up as early as you do. Look, I, what, what's what's going on? Are you are you writing? Are you uh, meditating? Are you doing a bike? A bike? What, what's because I I know you have um, a drill that you going. You mentioned it. It just depends. Depends on sometimes you're up not because you want to be. So it's not like you're always wide awake at four thirty or five. Sometimes what I'm doing is finishing the shows I fell asleep to the night before. So that's, that's kind of a big thing too. So, you know, or sometimes like the other thing is the nice thing is like the NBA mm-hmm. games, they replay them early in the morning. Sometimes you watch them then. So, you know, and you can fast forward. That's actually game. smart. Yeah, no, it's great. <laughs> it's great. I feel like when I miss them, when I miss them the night before, like I, if I'm up at 430, I'm usually like just, I'm, I'm in bed by like 10. I ain't gonna lie to you. But if I, if I miss it, I, I just catch the highlights. But that, yeah, that makes yeah, sense. No, but it, you can watch, like there's some games I've done that a couple of times where like, okay, you know, you know what happened, but you want to see how it happened. So there you go. 
So yeah, sometimes yeah. Like, during the season, it's going to be watching games again and stuff, you know, starting at a certain time. So, so John, what time do you go to sleep? If you're um, like well, go to sleep or fall asleep because, oh, okay. you know, and it depends, <laughs> like, well, I can fall asleep on the couch with the best of them and it could be around nine o'clock for a little bit. And then you wake up and then you're up till about midnight. So oh, like Lord, there are a lot of times I'm not in bed until about midnight and then you get up early. So, but like, do you, I kind of count that 45 minutes that I fall asleep on the couch while we're, you know, so unless there's a game on, then it's harder to fall asleep. Yeah, you got to. <laughs> uh, well, John, you've been around the commanders uh, since we're talking about these guys. You've been around the commanders the last three days, and obviously you've attended some of the uh, earlier sessions, the offseason practices as well, prior to mandatory mini camps. Um, but in terms of the last three days, uh, what have been like some of your main takeaways when you uh, when when you've been out there observing uh, both sides of the football, the coaches, things like that. What's some what, what's some of your main takeaways from the min mandatory minicamp? Well, so when you bring up coaches, I'll start there because if it was just going to be the players, it, there are a couple of different areas that stick out, that jump out. But the coaching with Eric Bieniemy, like he's the like he's the one that you notice the most because it's a big change to have a coordinator who here is as demanding as he is, and I think that was necessary. And I think you see it. And just like if he got on and I talked about this in the podcast, but like Jahan Dotson the other day ran around and it's just on air or just, you know, you have a coach as a defender. So you're really just kind of going over what you're going to do later in practice. But he ran and it was like, it was about a little more than three quarters speed, but the enemy is like, we're not here to half ass it go again. So it's like little things like that. And I like that because, you know, this team hasn't won anything in a while. And when you don't win anything in a while, you're going to get, you know, some demands and accountability put on you. And I don't think players, I don't think these guys mind that at all. And, but I like, I think that's like, you know, I think there's an adherence to details that he has. And I think there's, um, you can see like the, I think you can see some of his ways of getting guys the ball, you know, how you're going to use Antonio Gibson this year, the tight end usage. I think all those things are what you see right now from, from him. So I think that's why I have to start there because I think he was for everybody who talks about the offense, like, Oh, you didn't do enough here, here, here. That's the biggest move is Eric B enemy. And, and, you know, and, and I don't even know what kind of play caller he's going to be, but I do think they're going to be prepared. And I think if they're not adhering to the details, he's going to let them know. And the nice thing for him is he starts off his career coaching in Minnesota and he's getting on Adrian Peterson. He's going to get on Adrian yeah. Peterson. There's been a dude on this roster. He's not a that he's a that he's not going to, that he's going to back off from. So I like all that. And but again, like it's not just the it's not just that he yells and all that because like you we've all been around coaches who just yell for the sake of yelling because you think it's tough. There's a purpose behind what he says, and there's a you know when he's telling you to run it again, it's because he's annoyed that you didn't run it right the first time. There was a play the other day in practice where. Um, Antonio Gibson on a screen <clears throat> was, I think, either just beyond the line of scrimmage or at the line of scrimmage. He made him run it again because he wants you behind the line of scrimmage. And there's an annoyance in his voice, like basically, like we've gone over, you know, that kind of annoyance. So he runs it in practice. He runs it, and again, just on air, runs it, does it well. They run it in practice, and it probably would have been a, it may have been a touchdown in the game, but like for sixty or seventy yards, it was that well executed. And it wasn't just because 
Gibson was now a yard behind the line of scrimmage. It's more the attention to details of the play. And so I start there with him. And I think there's reason to feel good about what he can add here and the energy that they br- that he brings and all that. Now, again, we don't know what kind of play caller he's going to be, but I like everything else so far because I think everything else that all matters. And you guys know, like there's only – everybody's got a certain set of plays that you can run against a, a cover two beater. A, you know, you know, you got to split safeties. How are you going to beat that? A lot of those players are the same. But the details of the job, I think, are what separate eventually. And that's what he's really strict on. So I start there. And then I think the other things that jump out, the tight end usage, I think that's going to be a big deal. I think Logan Thomas looks like Logan Thomas, where he's a guy that can use his size. I think they're going to, I think, I think the way they're going to use these guys is, is very different from the last couple of years in terms of like in the red zone, finding them again. But they've been very present in in the in the practices we've seen. That's a big thing. I think the secondary, those young guys, Emmanuel Forbes, Quan Martin, have had good springs. Uh, I think you know Forbes will go through some learning curves because he's an he is aggressive, and there are going to be things that are going to test him on. But I like the way he's adjusted to certain things already. I think he and Quan Martin are smart corners. I think you already have a you two other smart corners with in you know as, as far as the top guys in Fuller and, and Benjamin St. Juice. So I like what they have shown. You know, and I think Sam Howell has been, I think he's shown progress. I think, you know, you can still say, where is he going to go? I don't know. I like that they have Jacoby Brissett here. I think he's a great insurance policy if, if Howell doesn't progress. But there are things that Howell shows. You say, okay, you can build on that. So there are things that you can build. Now they just have to go do it. So I, I, there are concerns, though. There are concerns about where about some aspects of this team. Uh, John, let me let me ask you: uh, Have you had the opportunity to ask some of these defensive players, whether it be on uh, on the front front side or back end, uh, how it's been going against this Eric Bieniemy offense that he's leading? And um, uh, I guess the second question would be: Do we know yet? if Eric Bieniemy is going to be calling plays on the sideline or in the booth? Good question. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I don't know that the answer to that one yet. Um, and, you know, it's funny because it's always a feel thing. And I think when you're in Kansas City, if you have if you have Patrick Mahomes, you can call wherever you want, right? <laughs> because Mahomes will just do something. But, um, you know, it just depends on the preference. And I don't know the answer to that question. As far as going against – um, them a lot of what we've seen heard so far was more the energy and practice that comes because of him. That was something that some of the defensive guys talked about. Um, but you know, this is a defense that these or this is an offense that these guys have faced on defense against some teams, so it's not like it's a unique offense, but it is different than what they face. So, haven't gotten into great detail about. You know, what is, and I think that's something as much for training camp as we get closer to the season. Some things that they see that maybe that you know, it's like, hey, this is going to be a problem because of this. I haven't gotten to those kind of detailed questions just yet because a lot of it is talking to the offensive guys about the difference in not just the style of offense, because again, there is a crossover between what they're doing with, you know, there's some similarities with what they're doing now versus what they did before. But there are some definite differences. I think, again, the screen game is one of them. The usage of the tight ends, the where, how they're going to get some of the playmakers the ball. Like Antonio Gibson, 
um, how they're going to move them around and get them the ball. And maybe, and, and the big thing is get these guys, get the playmakers ball in space. And everybody wants to do that, of course. So, but can, how are you going to get there? So no, I haven't had that level of depth or that level of detailed questions with them yet, but as we progress, that will be the case. Cause right now it's more talking to the offensive guys about some of that um, more than, more than, you know, anything else at this point. And John, I just wanted to ask with, you know, a lot of the conversation on Sam Howell, have you noticed any kind of a connection that he's developing with any specific wide receivers so far through the OTAs and minicamp? And the second part to this question, because obviously he played in North Carolina with this guy, Diami Brown. Diami's name was mentioned in like trade talks earlier, like pre-draft. What is, what is kind of the thought process with the team now on him? Is he kind of on thin ice with the team? I mean, do, does he have to prove himself? There a lot were no trade. They weren't. There were they weren't going to trade him. There was no like that talk was not coming from them. I don't remember. I remember okay. that there was somebody put that out there, but that was not coming from them for a couple of reasons. One, he has no he didn't really have any value, but they also didn't have a lot of depth at the position beyond the top three guys who could be pretty good. And the feeling has been that they think that this is a good fit for him, this system. And some of it's the slants, but some of using the speed and getting him down the field a little bit more with a quarterback who can consistently get it down the field, who also happens to know him pretty well. So, you know, I, I think um, so. I don't there was never really any like concerted thing to trade him. Uh, um, now, I would always say this. Somebody gives you a crazy offer. You're always going to listen. They're going to listen to everybody, every single player on the team. If you call up and say, we'll give you this for this guy. You're going to listen. I don't care who it is. You know, if they call up and said, we'll give you three first round picks for Terry McLaurin, you think they're going to say no thanks? I mean, you know what I mean? So like everybody at some point is on them is would be in that conversation. But there was nothing really strong with that um, anyway. But that's probably the reason. So as far as connection goes, I think the biggest thing is, again, is the tight ends. And I know that's not the receivers, but the tight end usage has been heavy. And so that has been a change. Now, my thing is like, which is great to get the tight ends involved, but when you're getting the tight ends involved, it means the receivers aren't as involved. Those are your, still your playmakers. And I think, but I think that there's, I think there's a good connection with Sam and like a Logan Thomas and finding him like, Hey, slide, you know, something's not open slide, get it to Logan over here. And you know, he can make the catch because he, he's, you know, he uses his size very well. Receivers, he, you know, there's certainly Jahan Dotson is a guy that you would see that he's looked for a lot. Um, you know, I think I'll be curious to see how it develops with Terry, you know, in the in the in the um, Dallas game. I mean, his first throw and touchdown was to Terry and he had a yep. deep one to him, too. So, like, I think there's going to be opportunities for that. But I think in practice, the tight ends have jumped out. And then again, Jahan, he looks for Jahan a lot. Um, and, you know, so. And they're, you know, but that's, that's where we're at right now with that. And Curtis so, hasn't been out. Curtis wasn't really going in full teamwork the last couple of days. But again, like the hard part is going to be somebody's going to get left out of the shuffle here a little bit, right? Because mm -hmm. if you're going to, I mean, I tell you, like they are, the tight ends are all, you know, they're using those guys and they want to get Antonio the ball, the ball more. And then they got, you know, these three receivers and they got this guy. You can't get them all the ball. And they do want to run the ball. And so that's where I'm going to be curious to see how it actually develops during the season where, the, you know, where they're looking for, et cetera. 
Uh, quick, quick question. Because uh, I guess I wasn't aware that Curtis, uh, Curtis Samuel wasn't full go in uh, some of those uh, drills. Is this part of their plan again, or is he is he hurt? What, he was that? going through like he was going through individuals and stuff. So and he looked, you know, he looked fine warming up. I just I would say this, like he's gone pretty hard this when we've watched him this spring. And you know, I think with him, it's like it's I think I think they just want to be careful. You know, main they'll call it maintenance days, right? And I think that mm-hmm. and like yesterday, there were a couple other veterans who didn't go as well or in the team drills, like Kendall Fuller and a couple others. So there's some maintenance to it. And I think with, you know, Curtis, if he's had a good spring, you get to this point, you know, get to the, get to training camp. You had uh, mentioned in your main takeaways, Quan and Emmanuel uh, on the defensive side of the football and something that AJ brought up to us uh, that I think is a interesting conversation is, is how the outside cornerbacks and slot cornerback will kind of work moving forward. Obviously we know uh, how Ron Rivera thinks of, Kendall and he mentioned Benjamin St. Jude's if they can get him to stay healthy but obviously Quan is somebody who they've looked at as a slot guy too um and somebody who can kind of offload uh the the amount of snaps that Kendall um, excuse me Cam Curl sees as the Buffalo nickel roll <clears throat> how do you see um the outside cornerback position playing because I'm on one side of the fence AJ can, can can explain his side but I'm on the side of the fence where I think that if there was a position battle with the cornerbacks, I think Emmanuel already has his slot secured as the outside. But I think in terms of primary um, two corners outside, I think Emmanuel has his spot secured. But then I think on the other end, you're probably looking at something between Benjamin St. Juice and Kendall Fuller rather than it be a, a, a slot cornerback battle between Quan Martin and X amount of other players. Um, what do you kind of see that playing out? How do you see the outside cornerbacks in terms of the starters um, and how do you see the slot playing out uh, all those things together? All right. So the way they've done it this spring is, you know, a lot of times it's, it's would be um, St. Just and Fuller on the outside. And then there's a rotation. And then Forbes of course is spending a lot of time with the starters as well as an outside guy. Sometimes with St. Just inside, sometimes it might be, it might be, um, uh, St. Juiced, Kendall Fuller, and then Rashad Wild Goose inside. And he's yeah. he's done a decent job this spring as well. Now, you know, again, see where it goes. I think ultimately, if you want your three best corners on the field, you're going to have St. You know, you have um, Forbes and Fuller on the outside. And when you're going to your nickel, Forbes and Fuller on the outside, and you can put St. Juiced in the middle. And St. Juiced does a nice, I thought he did a nice job in there. What what really hurt them last year was William Jackson just could not play zone, yeah. and you know, and it had it forced St. Juice to go back outside, but they put him inside there because you go back to like his combine numbers and all that, the three you know the three cone um, drill and all that, and his numbers there are really good. So he's got that short area quickness plus the length, and I think they like that length inside as well. Now I think you know St. Juice has some length, and so does Forbes. Forbes is not necessarily tall, really tall but he's got, he has length. And one thing you saw, like, for example, in practice, I can't remember if it was the other day or, or Wednesday where a, there was a slot fade to Jahan Dotson against St. Juice. And he's covering a smaller corner. Who's very a smaller receiver was very good, quick and all that, but he didn't, but, but he prevents the quarterback from getting a good target 
because you know he stays inside, has the length, and get over there. So you got to throw up and over him, and it's hard. And I think that so they they like that stuff inside. You go back to the Bears game, that play he made to to seal the win at the goal line was that short area quickness. And so he does a good job there. So I could see him playing inside there in a three nick and three receiver set or a three corner set and the other two on the outside. It'll be interesting how they rotate those DBs though, because of like you talked about Quan Martin, the versatility, you know, he can play that Buffalo nickel. He can cover the slot when it's, especially a tight end. And I think he understands leverage very well. There, there was one time where they had six DBs on, you know, they had their dime package in there uh, with, you know, so you get a fast set in the backfield. I think he'd be a part of that. But I don't know, like it's hard to say because I do know how much they obviously they love Forbes and he's done nothing this spring to say to suggest that they made a wrong pick. And Martin, I think, looks pretty good. So they're going to work, find ways to get him on the field. It will be interesting. And I say this, like it's a good problem to have because it means you have some versatility and depth. And it, what it does do is it allows you to disguise coverages better. I think you have a smart secondary and I think it and then it allows you to be a little bit more creative with your packages as well. And John, I just want to jump in real quick since we were talking about Forbes. Um, I remember a lot of the conversation last year with Jahan Dotson being drafted in the first round around this time of year. We were getting a lot of hype like this guy might be, you know, special. He was worth the draft pick. Are you kind of getting that sense or maybe not to the extent of Jahan Dotson's hype was, but are you kind of getting a sense that they are really high on him from what they've seen so far? Definitely. And I don't like I said, there's been he's shown nothing in practice than to be that, that to push them in the other way. It's, it's only been probably increased because of what he's shown. And every day he's getting his hands on the ball, whether it's knocking it away, a couple of interceptions. Now the interceptions aren't always against like, sometimes it's against a Jake Fromm in a, in a two on two drill, something like that. But it's what he shows to get those picks that I think makes them excited. And there've been, there was a play in practice last week that that one of the you know one of the coaches sent me a, a, a clip of like hey look at this, and the the receiver just you know deep out, and he turns he turns Emmanuel around, but he doesn't gain ground on that. And usually you know how it is like a receiver turns you around, you're going to get some more separation. separation. Yeah. He did not, and then it's because when you watch Forbes's feet. The transition to to get back into it is really, really good. And he drove on the ball, and what should have been a completion was instead a deflection. And like plays like that are like, like that is just different. And then, you know, I talked about this on my podcast too, but there was a there were a couple plays a couple weeks ago. I, I can remember how many weeks ago, one of the first practices we saw against Cole Turner, big guy, he's covered him inside, and Turner bodies him, and he's like, can't do anything about it. Turner's just a big guy. You're not, you're, he's very, he's very thin. So Kendall Fuller, and this is why I like Kendall Fuller. Fuller is one of the smarter corners that I've covered. And um, so he tells Forbes, like, basically use your advantage. Your advantage is your length. Find a way to use that length. Get to a side, play to a side and reach around and deflect away. So the next time we see him practice, he, he knocked, he deflected two passes that way. Now one t- they were not to tight ends, but it was more so taking what the guy told him and then and applying it in a in, in a practice situation, and it worked. And so you started to see some of that. AC, you know, saw that against some tight ends as well. He's going to get bodied at times because I mean he's a corner. I don't care even if he was mm-hmm. solidly built. 
a tight end's going to body you. So how do you how do you try to negate that? And that's where I think he'll you know use your advantage. You're quick. You have length. Use that to your advantage. But he's done nothing to um, to slow down their enthusiasm for him at all. I got one uh, on my side. One more question for you, John. And it's something that you tweeted. No, I think it was a I think it was your podcast. <clears throat> you had mentioned uh, you you brought up Ricky Stromberg and how the coaches view him, and you had mentioned that. Um, like this year, I, I personally described it as developmental, but I don't think you said that. You more so said that um, they just view Nick Gates as the starter at center. Right. He's only going to be playing Nick Gates. He's only going to be playing center. And at that point, they just need Ricky Stromberg to sit back essentially um, for a year and, and just learn. And and so I viewed it as developmental in a sense. And, and that's kind of how I took it. But my, my question and, and what really bothered me, because I really like Ricky Stromberg, my thing is, if you want your best five out there and Nick Gates has experience at center, two things. Why entertain uh, a left guard, a competition at left guard when Nick Gates has experience playing that guard? But also, if you don't want to do that, which is perfectly fine, it's your prerogative. Ricky Stromberg is good enough to compete for a starting position. He doesn't have to win it. And, or he he may not win it. I, I don't. I should say it like that. He may not win it. But I think like completely closing the book on Ricky Stromberg in year one because you you're adamant that Nick Gates is going to play center for you. I I just can't wrap my hands my head around taking Stromberg in the third round and saying we're not even going to entertain giving him a shot to even oh, step on the field. Like, yeah, I, they haven't said that. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of how I'm rationalizing it. If you really, well, like I would Nick say, Gates. like, listen, it's it's clear that Nick Gates is a starter, and you know, but I would say, you know, if 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 he's struggling and Stromberg's doing well, that's where your competition comes in. I think there's there's always a level of competition, but there, there are a couple of things. One, they just like Gates more at center, and they put center as a higher position value than left guard. And I think pretty much anybody, most, I think any line coach would as well. Right. Um, so that's, you start there that the center position is more valuable than a left guard. And, and, and they just felt he was simply better as a center than he was as a left guard. And, but I, the hard part for me is you did take a guy in the third round. Now you take a guy in the third round, they should be, they should be a contributor to your team in year one. And they should, they should ascend to a starter's role within a couple of years. Now he could still do that. Stromberg could still become your starter. Let's say in whether it's next year or the year after heck, I think to be honest, Jamal, I think part of the reason they took him a big part is because they've been burned by all those injuries the last couple of years. And they wanted a good, young, solid, sturdy center in case one of their veterans got hurt. I think that's why Stromberg is here. But if all goes well, he doesn't play this year. That's a hard thing for a third round pick. I, I think for, and, and you look at their fourth round pick and Braden Daniels, he ain't going to play this year either. So you got two top four round picks who may not play for you at all this year. Now, if Gates gets hurt, now you say, Hey, now you got your guy. And, and that, that would be good. And I think Stromberg, you know, I, I don't know what kind of player Stromberg's going to be. I'm not going to warn a guest based on what we saw in the spring, but I know how burned they felt by the position the last couple of years with the injuries. And I do know they like, and I think Gates will be solid for them. I think, you know, it, it, I mean, I've heard good things about him from like people yeah. in New York. 
Um, but I just think it shows you how much they value that position over left guard. But yeah, I, I think the hard part for me is you may have had a third and fourth round picks who maybe down the road are starters for you, but this year you're not, you may not get, if all goes well for you, you won't get much from them at all. Now, I don't know what like the plan for Stromberg would be on special teams. I don't know if he'll play that at all, but right now, just from scrimmage, you know, if all goes well, you don't get anything from them. So, so John, shouldn't we identify that as like drafting malpractice? Because I mean, in Stromberg and, and Brandon Daniels, those are, those are four year starters on, on the collegiate level. Like what more could they need to develop? to the next level well, either either you got it or you don't at that point <laughs> well to a degree to a degree because you never know what kind of coaching they're getting in college right and it may not be the same level and that's what like with daniels you're going to look at traits and he is he's a good athlete however the technique needs to be polished definitely and so you're going to look at that and say does he have the skill well he does but he needs a lot of work on his technique the other thing for him is is he better inside or outside? It could well be that I think down the road, he is more of a guard than he is a tackle, you know, and unless he gets stuff cleaned up as a tackle, because otherwise he'll, he can shift inside the guard and that's where, that's where he'll, his future could be there. And I don't know. I mean, I know they're going to try him at tackle first because it's a more valuable position. So if he hits there in a year or so, then, you know, let's say, let's say he develops this year and is like, Oh my gosh, he's really done this. And, you know, Charles Leno's contract, you can move, could you move on from him and put him in there? Or could you put him at right tackle and you could put Wiley as a back at guard? So he gives you options if he can play tackle, if he can play tackle. But I do think, like I said, I think he needs to get a lot more consistent with his technique. I don't think it's about like, sometimes you see his feet aren't always, his hands aren't always in line with his feet and they've got to be in sync to a degree. Right. And you don't know. So like, he's got to clean that up. Um, so, and then I, like I said, with Stromberg, you know, we'll see how the year goes, but I mean, you, again, ideally one of those guys has to contribute to your team this year. And, you know, you could have, could you have done something different? Yeah. But I, I know like with the center, they, I think the last couple of years burned them badly. And I think that's why they went in that direction. Like is as much an insurance policy because Gates also has an injury history too. So, you know, so that way, do you feel you're covered? And so it may well be that Stromberg plays and contributes. And if, and and let's, I'll say this, like if, if something happens to Gates and Stromberg goes in and he does a really good job, it's like, Hey, that was a good pick because it helps you and it allows you to continue a certain way. Whereas opposed to the last couple of years where, you know, too many centers got hurt, but you throw in certain guys who could not play center or did not help you at all. And, you know, so we'll see, but like, Again, if all goes well and if Gates stays healthy, then, you know. John, um, I want to appreciate you for for stopping by, man. I, I always appreciate your insight um, and, and all that good stuff with the, the commanders and the team and things like that. I want to give you the floor. Um, to I have one more in, in, Go ahead, shoot. Oh, go ahead then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know you had one more. <laughs> I was going to ask you, with it being June 9th, of course, like the big topic in Washington right now is quarterback and Sam Howell. With it being June 9th and the OTAs and the mini camps that you've been exposed to, you know, seeing how both quarterbacks, Howell and Jacoby Brissett, have maneuvered uh, with Eric Bieniemy, who would you, at this point before training camp, feel comfortable with starting if it were up to you to make the decision? 
That's a good question because I thought you were going to say, who are they feeling? And I know they're going to stick with Howell for right now. <clears throat> um, I would say this. I think <laughs> deep because, breath told me because, we're talk, because we're talking June, I want to see how Howell develops because I think he's got a skill set that, you know, he's, he's a little bit, he's going to be more aggressive than Jacoby. Um, and that can result in some more big plays. How does the decision-making progress uh, throughout training camp? What I know is that Jacoby has looked his the last the first the first practice we saw Jacoby, I felt like he was still he was not in rhythm was not did not have the timing, and I thought I feel like each subsequent practice he's getting that and he does not throw he does not throw the ball you know he's not getting picked off I think Howell takes a few more chances, um, and it, you know that can be that can be good and bad. Right. I mean, you know, um, I remember back when Jason Campbell was here, there were times where like, I remember when Zorn was here, I think at the midway point, Jason had like eight touchdowns and no picks. I remember even asking Zorn, like, would you rather he had like 12 touchdowns and four picks because it's probably a more explosive offense maybe as opposed to just taking care of the ball. But, you know, I also think AJ with this team that Jacoby would do well, could do well. And I say that because, like, there are playmakers. I think he does take care of the ball. You have a really good defense, and you don't want to put them in a bad spot all the time. And that's one of the concerns I would have with Howell. But, you know, what I hear from them is they're pleased with it, for the most part, pleased with his decision-making, and that's going to be the key. But he will, you know, he's going to make young guy mistakes. I think this – and I don't like, – it's hard to say because you always hear, like, well, the ceiling is higher. Well, I think the ceiling feels higher because we don't know where he can go. You know, is Jacoby who he is or was last year with the Browns maybe something that you show like, hey, you put a good deep because that defense was a problem in Cleveland, not the quarterback. Mm -hmm. um, and so do you do, how would that translate here for him? Um, but, you know, I think knowing what I know right now, I would stick with how. Uh, but I feel really good having Jacoby as an option. Like if the kid, you know, and I think I feel like with Jacoby, if he does, if if how shows like he's just not progressing, I feel like Jacoby's a guy you can plug in, and you know, yeah, there's always there's always like you want develop chemistry, rhythm, and all that, but he knows how to handle situations well. He knows how to handle going in in that kind of situation, um, so I'd feel comfortable with him. But right now, I would stick with Howell because I'm curious where he can go. That so yeah, because I I, mean, I don't think like even though he's thrown some picks, like he he'll make some plays and like. And it's just seven on seven. So you take that for what it's worth. You're not being rushed and all that. But when he's in seven, seven, his rhythm is really good. It's just when you get to the full team drill, then you're throwing blitzes at him. Then you're throwing this at him. You know, then it comes down to game planning. How's the offensive line? But, um, you know, I would stick with him for right now. But I feel good with Jacoby. Is, is this a real competition or are we just being bamboozled? <clears throat> um, real competition. <laughs> it's not. Listen. We know, like, we've seen real competitions where it's like alternating days of first team reps or whatever. This isn't that. This is all about the competition starts with Sam Howell and his own development. Because if he's developing, that's where they're going to go. So from that standpoint, that's the competition. So if he starts to slip, then it becomes a, you know, then it becomes Jacoby and Sam. I think where where it helps Sam is that. If they had re-signed Taylor Heineke, 
we're not talking about a possible competition. I think it's yeah. more of a threat with Jacoby because I think he's a better, he's, he's better than what Taylor was and, and, you know, in this role. And so I think because of that, I think it gives you, if you're Sam, you know, you have to really be sharp because this guy's going to be, and then I, I think Taylor offered a lot, but I think Taylor was very, Taylor knew like that this guy was going to be more the future than he was. You know, he knew if he came back, it would just be as a backup period. Um, you know, a spot starter kind of type, but you know, so from that standpoint, I think there's more of a competition with Jacoby, but if Sam is showing the development they want, then it's just still Sam. But, you know, again, if he's not getting in the meeting rooms and Jacoby is, you have to notice that if he's, you know, like if there's a guy that just bonds with the players and he's showing this coaches have to notice that, but you know, this too, coaches sometimes see what they want to see. And if they have a guy that they want to see win the job, things are going to be framed that way. Right. And I think, you know, I don't know that that's being done in this case. I can't say that because I do think that there's a lot that Sam shows that has been pretty good. So I, that is enough to build on for me. And, and I think what he showed in that one game was good. Now there's a lot more than just one game that you need, but I think it, you know, at least it's like, okay, you take that plus you take his progress and his footwork. Plus you take the decision-making and he gets rid of the ball quick and, you know, et cetera. And so I think, he, you know, he does a good job with his reads. And one of the things with Jacoby that I've seen in the spring, sometimes the timing might be a little bit off because he might stay with the read just a little bit longer. So you get to your second option and it might be closed. And, um, but with Sam, there may be sometimes like, you know, that may not have been a ball you could squeeze in. Right. And so is that, how's that going to be in the game? But um, so we're not at a, I don't think AJ that we're at, we're not at this, real competition where it's like alternating days of reps it's a sam has to continue to do well to hold on to the job because if not then they're not afraid to put jacoby in like i had somebody tell me a couple weeks ago like don't basically he said he didn't say it in these words but it's my words don't sleep on jacoby because you know they they feel like he's done a good job too and they you know i think that rivera said it in the press the other day that they talk about him just about as much as they talk about sam those meetings. And I believe that because I've heard that elsewhere as well. I, I just, out of this whole thing though, the, and I don't understand why nobody has really talked about this. Uh, at least You're talking to about Jake Fromm? You going to uh, Jake Fromm? No. <laughs> I, 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 first of all, no. <laughs> um, but what, what, what really boggles my mind, I guess, and I'm, I may be uh, over-exaggerating too, but Sam Fortier asked um, when Jacoby spoke, um, a couple of days ago, I guess, is it important for him to get first team reps? <laughs> and and he said, "We'll cross that bridge when we cross that bridge." I I only seen the quote. I didn't I didn't listen to him like audibly, but I I just don't understand. Like I, I guess like what what does that mean? And and I don't really know like the full context. Nobody really spoke on that. That that feels like he's like he understood that he would get some first team reps. Um, I don't think that was the, like, I don't think he came in thinking he was going to get first team reps because they've been pretty clear from okay. the off season to now that okay. Rivera was like, you know, this is the guy going into here as QB one. And I don't okay. think that, I think, I think I took it from Jacoby that if they got to that point, 
I I wasn't quite sure what he was meaning by that either, to be honest. So, okay, but I think that, it was, right, thank you. I think it was, was like, that's but I, I'm trying to like, I'm trying to guess. I think it's more like, hey, we get to that point, then I'll worry about it then. Um, but you know, again, that's why I say I think he's, you know, like you always hear in baseball, he's a professional hitter, and I think that's what Jacoby is. He's a guy that you can put him into situations. That's why they like him. That you can put him into situations where he can go in and do that and he knows how to handle it. He knows how to, in other words, he can stay prepared and um, and do well because he's always going to be prepared. And I think it starts with that. Um, but I would be, you know, if I were them, you know, you should find ways to get him some reps with that, not to throw it, not to like, you know, uh, get people thinking it's a, some major competition, but just to, you know, just because like you get a, get a series or two with that. Right. Um, but yeah, but no, yeah, I, I wasn't quite sure what he meant by that, but I'm just, you kind of like, just kind of try to read it a little bit, but that's what I took. As long as I'm I, not I, sure. think they're, I think they're waiting for the hard knock cameras to come on in training camp to create drama instead of beforehand. <laughs> yeah, I, so we getting hard. That, does that mean we're getting hard knocks? You know that, John? <laughs> I don't know that. I know, like, I talked about this before, but like, I know that people, some people there would want it because they want to show how the organization has changed. What we don't know is, will the ownership thing be settled by then? We don't know that. Like by the time camp opens, can't say that. I think there's, it's certainly trending a certain way that it will be over, but when? So if it's not over, is what's the lure? And then, um, then the other question is, if you're HBO and you can go do the Jets and Aaron Rodgers, I mean, why would you come here? Like, there that this that's that could be ratings gold, as long you know as long as like Aaron Rodgers on board, and I think we all see that Aaron Rodgers seems to like attention. So you know, but I do think like I think this would probably be a backup plan because it's an intriguing place. There's a lot of good like look at the storylines. You have a new owner, so it's this new vibe yeah. around it. We all know the fans' feelings about Dan Snyder, um, but so there's a new energy that comes with that just around the organization, if nothing else, then you have Rivera in a very critical year. In your fourth year, you have an, uh, other people there in a critical year. And then you have this quarterback in Sam Howell. Who is this guy? Can he really do it? Is he really good? Like from it, you know, and I think, you know, if you're around the That's team, why I think end season will work. I think end season is a perfect oh, candidate. Yeah, yeah. And, but like in, Howell, end season would be scary. I need it. Y'all know, AJJ, y'all know I need that, man. Last year with the Cardinals, oh my goodness. Listen, from my perspective, it would add too much work. And I don't, we don't need, like, there's been enough on this franchise. But, like, you look at it, like, from an outside perspective, there's a lot of fascination with Sam Howell. Because, like, really? Whereas if you're around them, you know how much they like him. And you know what other players think of him. So it's not a, to me, it's not a shock that they're going to give this guy a chance to win the job because I know what they have felt with him about him for more than a year. And so, and I, but I think nationally there's some interest. So I think nationally from a fan, per, you know, from outside DC or fan base perspective, there's like, really Sam Howell, who is this guy? And so like, is, does that enough to draw people in on HBO? I don't know, but I do think that, that, that would be, there are some intriguing storylines here. And then you throw in like, you do have some personalities with Chase Young, um, you know, and you have a really, really good defense. But again, if you if you're HBO and the Jets say like, "Hey, we got Aaron Rodgers and we want him," and we're you know they have no choice but to do it, but like, where would you go? I mean, it's Aaron Rodgers and the Jets. They're a Super Bowl contender. 
they're in New York, you know, and you have one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. So doing a swan song, I guess. But I would like to add too that Eric Bieniemy would be a great storyline as well. Bieniemy's another one. Thank you. I'm yes. sorry. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, absolutely. He'd be a really good one. Absolutely. And I would say this: like if I'm Bieniemy, I absolutely want that because I think when you're around him, he comes. A, he does not come across like the head coach of this team, but he comes across like a head coach, right? In terms of demeanor, in terms of um, authority, or whatever. And Rivera is the head coach of this team. That's not what I'm saying, but I think it would be good for him. If, if, if part of the reason is he doesn't interview well, it'd be a hell of an interview for him. I agree. So that's a good point. John, man, I can't thank you enough for the time that you've given us today. I, I want to give you the floor again, <laughs> formally, <laughs> uh, let the people know where they can find you, read your work. I mean, obviously we know ESPN, but anything that you got going on that you want to plug in, man, the floor is yours. All right. Thank you. Just John Com Report podcast, really creative name. You know, um, wasn't, wasn't my idea, but it's, it's creative. It's unique. <laughs> it's unique. Yeah, it is unique. I mean, it's the only one. So you got that. And then on Twitter, John underscore Kime. And on Instagram, I think it's John Kime ESPN. And my light's going to fall. There you go. Uh -oh. I just caught it. So there you go. How's that? But what a way to close. Hey, look, the hand's still it. good, man. Let's, let's see what you, what you look like on the jug machine. <laughs> well, you know what's funny because um, I mean, I used to I used to hit off the judge machine. That's about it. But there was one time a few years ago, years ago. So we were going. Now I'm all now my things all darkened. But so there was one time Clinton Portis had kind of stopped talking to us a little bit, and um, Bram Weinstein was like, "Hey, Clinton, if I catch some balls off the judge machine," or he's like, "How can I get you to talk to?" Her? I think it was like catch catch one off the judge machine. So Bram's like, okay, I'll go do that. So he went and he, he got someone. He's like, he was going to train him catching balls off the judge machine. First one he caught broke his finger. So Jesus <laughs> Christ. Yeah. But I never caught like, I never caught footballs off the judge machine. I just hit off it in baseball. So, and, and as a safety, as a safety, I wasn't catching many balls off the judge machine. I don't even know if we, we didn't even use that back then in high school. So. <laughs> yeah, I never, I never had a chance to use them. Oh my! Now, God. I would. What I would like to do one time is just try to feel the punt, like from Tressway, when it's you know like just the direction, the movement, and all that, because that would to me would be interesting um, to do. Now I'm not going to do that because they're not going to let hey, me. That, that I don't, I must say, you never know. We can, think, we can float this Tressway. My, my days, my days cover, my days feeling punts are are long over. But that's where it's like, you know, can you do that? Because I just would be curious to see it. Just like in baseball, hitting a guy who throws 95 miles an hour. What does that look like? You know? Yeah. I don't even want to be on the mound at a 95 mile per hour pitch. <laughs> I'm, I'm scared of yeah. just going to batting practice. <laughs> well, yeah, now, bad. you know, it's funny because now, like, you go to a batting cage and 70 miles an hour looks like it's 100. Um, but you know, I think the fastest I ever faced was like 90 miles an hour and 90. Yeah. And I did, oh. I got a piece of it, man. I got a nice hard shot down the line, but it was just foul. And I think I, yeah, that was, yeah, that was my glory. It's like, I, I got a piece. <laughs> hey, but, but definitely consider the uh trustway punt competition. Maybe you I was like, we could float a trustway's way. That, that no, seems like a cool enough dude to do. That. <laughs> those days are done. It's just like that's a curious thing, but like those days are done because I would have felt much better if you when you're closer to your I would say this when you're closer to your playing days, 
doing it. Now, like, I don't know, like, you know, your body kind of creaks when you run up to it and stuff. And, you know, I don't know. <laughs> All right, man. Well, look, I'm not going to say that we that we will or will not float at Tressway's way, but, you know, I guess we'll no, cross that out. bridge when we cross that bridge. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, man. All right, John. All right. Thanks, thanks guys. Appreciate it. Damn, set, huh. Watch him throw the ball. We're going to pick it up. You gon' let him hit the hole or you gon' cut it off You gon' play through fourth and long or you gon' punt it off Your defenders have you hit us, put your pads in Don't be looking for the ref to throw no flags in Keep the helmet on, keep the cleats tight You the type to want to win by any means, right? You should look alive, this is Trap or Dive